Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild the relationship between people and the planet the way nature intended by revitalising our natural resources, minimising waste and maximising human potential. I trust you discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future so you can cultivate and transform them to suit your own lifestyle in order for us to collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philipparos.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide. Hello, Wastebusters. Welcome to episode 28. It's the first official Matariki holiday here in New Zealand associated with the health and well-being of people and our connection to the environment. It's the start of the Māori New Year and a time to reflect on the past, to remember our ancestors, to honour where we are now and to plan for the future. Which reminds me of a quote by Clement Stone that says, Aim for the moon. If you miss, you may hit a star. A fitting link to my guest this week, Trav Bell, also known as the Bucket List Guy, whose aim in life is to encourage 10 million people to aim for the moon and live a regret-free life. The focus of Trav's work is to inspire people to live fully now, as opposed to sometime in the future. It's about finding fulfilment in the journey and not postponing it, which is the very essence of a book psychologist Dr Benjamin Hardy has written, Be Your Future Self Now, The Science of Intentional Transformation. The art of being as opposed to becoming, imagining the person you want to be, then being that person now. When you do this, your imagined future directs your behaviour rather than your past. Being connected to your future self is the secret to being truly present. One of the items on Trav's list is to think about the legacy we want to leave. It's a fundamental part of human nature to want to pass something on that says something about who we are and what we value. Contributing to the health of people on our planet is the legacy I want to bequeath and to play an active role in society's awakening to the fact we are part of a whole system. What we do, think and act on has an exponential effect worldwide. Which is why I'm asking my guests and listeners to nominate me in the New Zealand Sustainable Business Awards as a sustainability superstar. Basically, it's someone who, week on week, brings a broad range of options to create a more sustainable future for the health of people and the planet. And I'd really appreciate your support. The link is in the show notes. We need to pay attention to the extreme temperatures at the polar opposite ends of the planet. 18.3 in February 2020 in Antarctica and 38 in June 2020 in the Arctic. These remote, inhospitable places have more impact on our lives than almost anything closer to home because the poles regulate our climate, our weather patterns and even our maritime food supply and they're warming faster than anywhere else on Earth with untold consequences for those who live at the planet's more accommodating latitudes. Behaviour from our animal kingdom provides huge clues as to the changes in the environment like my wee penguin friends 
whose numbers are rapidly declining and they're moving colonies around Antarctica in search of krill that's also declining because of warming ocean temperatures. And a reduction in krill will affect the health of all marine life as they're at the bottom of the entire food chain. Talking of extremes, I cannot refrain from mentioning the gut-wrenching overturning of the Roe versus Wade law on abortion in the States this week. It's like a step back in time, a smack in the face of centuries of work for women's rights. No one has the right, in my humble opinion, to dictate anyone's choices. Each and every one of us walks a different path with different needs. My hope is there'll be a rise in the sisterhood like the Me Too movement. Fortunately, the French courts have their heads screwed on and have set a precedent ordering cessation of the 4G operations for three months to establish if there's a potential causal link in the significant drop in quality and quantity of milk, a serious disruption in the behaviour of cattle, as well as abnormally high deaths. Watch this space. While we're talking declines, it's estimated that only 15.5% of the world's coastal regions that encompass habitats like kelp forests, seagrass meadows, estuaries, tidal flats and salt marshes actually remain intact. There are seascape restoration projects globally who've discovered when they set out to restore them that an integrative habitat of oyster reefs, seagrass meadows and salt marshes are much better for enhancing the entire ecosystem. Again, lessons learned from stepping back and watching nature's natural processes unfold. Sea and landscape changes are forcing us to see how everything is interconnected and why we need to learn to work in harmony with nature and all of Earth's creatures. Like in India, where 32 million people are already living inside tiger habitats that host over 70% of the world's remaining wild tigers. One gentleman named Atoll has built a team of over 200 tiger trackers called Tiger Friends from towns and villages surrounding Pilipit with the help of the Forest Department of the World Wildlife Fund to locate tigers, monitor their movements, spread awareness in their communities on how to stay safe and in extreme circumstances relocate them. Back in the Southern Hemisphere, I'm joined this week by Trav Bell, the people's friend who's supporting millions worldwide to fully engage in the game of life and create a bucket list of things they aspire to do so they can tick it before they kick it, live life now in order to create a future beyond their wildest dreams. Welcome to the show, Trav. It's a delight to have you with me. And especially as I've just finished your bucket list challenge, I'd really like to know, first off, what you were like as a young boy? Oh, I was a menace. Always curious. Quite introverted, to be honest, except right. for when it came to sport. Um, I was a jock, as they say in America, growing up. So I was a swimmer, surfer, surf lifesaver, competitive athlete in those fields, which led me to do a physical education degree. And then that led on to personal training, and which led on to what I do now. Fitness was always the big part of my life and just sort of scraped through school and just to do enough. And I got up to my fair fair amount of trouble. All the best people do, hey. It's different parts of yourself and it's part of the journey, isn't it? Getting to know yourself, really. 
Yeah, I'm still discovering that process. <laughs> I'm still discovering. Nearly 50, still discovering. <laughs> With your interest in sports and things, did you aspire to become a physical trainer? No, I sort of fell into it, to be honest. I was going through uni and I did a human movement degree. This is early 90s and this guy by the name of Tony Hewitt, he was a lecturer in one of our classes and he was doing this thing called personal training. It was new, very new in Australia. This is again pre-internet and he was training some celebrities and some people that I knew off TV and wealthy people in parts of Melbourne. He told me how much he gets paid and I went, Oh, I was working as a kid's swimming teacher for beer money, basically during uni. I was just fascinated with it. You know, it was really where I fell in love with coaching. So he said, subscribe to this magazine, go to this conference, get this book, et cetera. And I just did everything he said. And so in my third year of uni, I worked in a gym doing gym shifts and I got my first personal training client. And this is in the days when there literally wasn't an industry. Yeah. Um, probably only a handful of personal trainers really running around Australia. And so I got my first client, I hold 25 bucks an hour and I just fell in love with it. You know, that was 21-year-old me and what started really my coaching career, personal training at first, just coaching people in health and fitness. I love for helping people at that level and helping them see what's possible and, and tap into their potential. What was the appeal? Was it seeing people grow? I love helping people. You know, that's one of my highest values and that is, if I don't help people, and, and I experienced that during the pandemic, hence why I started the Build Your Bucket List Challenges, which you did. So I started that because I'm normally, well, in my day job, a keynote speaker running around the world speaking at big conferences as the bucket list guy. So how much travel was happening? None. How many big events were running? None. So how can I still help people? I was on a lot of podcasts like this, and I started these online challenges just to be able to, you know, scratch that itch for myself. And that's where I feel at home, you know, when I'm really helping people succeed beyond what they think they can succeed in, in every area of their life. And back in the day, it was in health and fitness. And now it's in every other area of life. I know if I'm not doing that, I don't feel fulfilled myself. I don't feel like I'm contributing to the world. Apart from health, it's like one of my highest values. Cool. I guess with the pandemic and things, a lot of what we do, I find myself as a mentor as well, is actually you're feeding yourself and in the same process you're feeding other people. So the fact that you got online during the pandemic and you felt restricted or cooped up or whatever it was, you're empathising with people. And the outfall of it is that there's, there's so many problems with mental health and suicide, oh, yeah. which were bad before. I mean, I read some stat today. New Zealand is absolutely appalling. Yeah, look, we're right in the middle of Men's Mental Health Week right now. And pre-pandemic, uh, depression, anxiety, suicide, youth suicides were already at all-time highs. And we've also got um, the overprescription of antidepressants. You know, oh. don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Don't yep. even. Mm. Don't even. And then we've got this thing now called the loneliness epidemic, which is the oh. adverse effect of social media. It's actually a thing. So Google it. So we feel more connected, but we're actually more disconnected psychologically. So with all of that, and then you go throw the pandemic in on top of that. Yeah. Absolute yep. mental health perfect storm, Philippa. Yep. You know. And the repercussions are now starting to come to fruition, right, with the statistics that are coming out. You know, people haven't recovered and then we're throwing in, oh, throw in another recession and global meltdown and economic system and everything. It's like, right, 
how do we get our head above water? So really, you know, what you're trying to do, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do my bit within my control. You know, everything that you experienced during that Build Your Bucket List Challenge is all based on positive psychology, right? It's to help people go to their strengths, find what lights them up, gives them meaning, pleasure and fulfilment and helps them experience more gratitude, right? And do that more in their work and in their life. And therefore, people will be happier. And hopefully, 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 people don't go on antidepressants. Yeah. You know, people do self-manage. So I'm trying to do my bit to uh, give people the tools to hopefully change the narrative and just open people's eyes because I know in the 10-plus years of me doing this that I've helped people off suicide watch, I've helped people off antidepressants and I've helped them become alive again. And, you know, once you get one, two or three of that, you know, it's a snowball effect of results and outcomes and thanks and I don't do it for the adulation, but, like, it's pretty cool to be able to help someone at that level, right? Absolutely. And And it's like if you get a taste of it, it's like, I want more of that. You know, that's what I strive for. And now we've got our bucket list of movement around the world of people who've, you know, done the programs, seen me speak, picked up a book or whatever. And before you know it, you can't ignore those positive reinforcements that are coming back from people. And it's that spark. And I mean, there's no one better than someone who's experienced it themselves. And you went through a period. I did go through depression, albeit mild. You right. know, but instead of going on heavy, full-on antidepressants, it was close, but really I looked around me, I knew other people and clients, personal training clients at the time who were on antidepressants, really painful for me just to walk around like a zombie, yeah. you know, and not experience any emotion. I'm like, like, that's a Band-Aid effect if you ask me. Sure, it gets you normal again. You know, regressive psychology, therapy, drugs get a person normal again. So they've become a normal functioning member of society, right? I knew that I wasn't broken as such and I, I didn't need that level of, <laughs> well, the jury's out on that. At the end of the day, I knew I wasn't as bad as other people I knew. And I thought, I've got to get to the root cause of this myself. That actually was the impetus for me to go and, you know, get involved in you know, learning about positive psych and, and all the rest. And so I did every course that I could other than going to uni and becoming a psychologist. I did everything else. But at the time, I was at my peak in terms of my personal training business. We had personal training studios all around Australia. We'd franchised the whole thing. It was the biggest in Australia. But I let some toxic people come into my life and some thing, right. other things happened. And it became very cancerous and relationships soured, legal troubles ensued. You know, it was that and a few other things that just led me down into a pretty dark place to the point where you don't want to catch up with anyone. And when you do, you feel, you know, you're, you're just dumping on everyone. You're a complete victim. I wasn't owning everything that I certainly do now. I was just one of those people that uh, if you catch up with, you feel like you need a wash or a holiday afterwards. A friend of mine at that time gave me this book, Happier by Tal Ben-Shahar. Right. He studied under Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology. Mm-hmm. And so in there, he's got this process called the MPS process, three intersecting circles in a Venn diagram, what gives you meaning, what gives you pleasure, and what are your strengths, and in the middle is your calling. Yeah. So I'm in a dark place. Friend basically gives me this and say, look, you miserable prick, this is about happiness. Yeah. I think you should read it. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing our head in. Um, thanks. 
And I did that process and it was that and a few other things where I did that and my calling was motivational speaker or, you know, educator, teacher kind of thing. And I'm like, right, okay, so that would make me happy. Yeah, it would. And I had all these bricks and mortar kind of businesses and gyms and that around Australia holding all the head leases and stuff. About the same time, out comes Tim Ferriss with his four-hour workweek book. Yeah, yeah. He's running shit from a hammock in Thailand and <laughs> killing it. And I'm like, I'll have some of that. This whole online world, I'm like, that sounds cool. Yeah. Here I am with bricks and mortar leases and he's running everything from Thailand. I'm like, okay, all right. I've got the calling, motivational speaker. I've got the Tim Ferriss, the bastard. And then um, two years into my self-discovery, if you like, of personal development, I've, you know, I did ayahuasca, went to Burning Man, walked on fire, the whole bit. <laughs> yeah, I got coaches, invested a shitload of money, and then we're in an NLP course or something like that. And he said, Trev, you're in all these courses all the time. Why don't you teach this stuff? He actually said, why don't you teach this shit? It was just like a complete light bulb moment. And I went, oh, that's why I'm here. And it was like, you know, I get goosebumps. I think it was about two two months later, I put on a talk, nearly had to pay the 40 people to come to that talk, <laughs> and I was shitting myself. And I packaged in all my, because I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life. I put all the lessons that I've learned and all the stuff I'd learned recently around psych. But this was my big, you know, hey, the, the happiness book said it, so let's go for it here. About halfway through, I started talking about the fact that I'd had a list to do before I die since I was 18, and no one knew this about me. Before you go on there, it's unusual for a lot of people to have done their bucket list or a list of things to do before you die. What inspired you to do that? I don't know. I must have read it in some book when I was really young. All right. Yeah, and and it it just made sense to me that none of the stuff on my list ever involved money or time. I always saw money and time are purely resources that get created out of your job or your business. Yeah. So to optimise your job, your business, your career, it should spit out the time flow and the cash flow to allow you to go and do your, your list. You know, being a millionaire is all well and good, but what are you going to do with the money? Absolutely. If you retire and have all this time, great. What are you going to do with the time? Mm-hmm. Enter the bucket list. So I always had this list. So I said to the 40 people in the room, said, who else has got one of these lists before you die actually written down? And like everyone, like hands down, donuts. No, nah, I was the only freak in the room. Yeah. So I said, why the hell do you get up in the morning? Oh, um, I know, you know, pay off the house, put the kids through school, do a bit of trouble when I'm older. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and probably sicker. All right, well, if we're living in a delayed gratification society, I'll be happy when syndrome, waiting for the perfect time someday to come around, which is called our retirement. And so very few people get to live out their retirement, right? Especially men, because once oh, they yeah, retire, yeah, we've got too many to stories. Yeah. Too many stories where, where they get to... I don't even know, what is it, 60, 65 or whatever, and they retire, and then they have five good years and they're gone. It's like you you sacrifice your happiness to enjoy later, but you didn't get the full benefit of it. You're not healthy enough to actually enjoy it. Mm. That system's broken. Yeah, I want people to be happy now. I shared my list, really inspired the group, and then at the end of it, Joe, one of the participants, said, oh, how's all this list to do before you die stuff? It's like the, a bucket list. I went, yeah, you're like the bucket list guy. I went, huh, this is 10 years, 11 years ago. And I went, so I went home that night and registered thebucketlistguy.com and I've been doing that ever since. Awesome. Had you seen the bucket list film? I think I had, but it didn't really hit me till then. 
I think the movie, the bucket list movie is shit. It's about two blokes who get given a cancer diagnosis and then they write a bucket list. But the, again, oh. that's just the way that society is, as you say. It is broken and it's us about tick because yeah. postponing things. I can remember a friend of mine's mother, she was diagnosed with cancer, but she was so full of life and and she got another 25 years because of her mental attitude and things like that. And she said, there's so many people who are like walking dead. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got a, a quote that I'm probably quoted on the most is people are dying at 40 and being buried at 80. So I wanted people to be happy now and, and get a sense of fulfillment now because we never never know when our time is up. And plus, I want to wake people up before they get given a use-by date. Yeah. Simple as that. So that's my whole mission. Everything I do is that. Wake people up before they get given a use-by date. Over 10 years, of, I'm stoked to say I have a bit of an impact and we've got now certified bucket list coaches around the world teaching my stuff in 22 countries too. So it's not just me anymore. A lot of people think that a bucket list is that big thing so again it's a bit like postponed gratification and I'll be happy when the excitement is in the journey and the curiosity and what you discover along the way because you just never know what's going to turn up so I mean it doesn't have to be some major mission or changing the world per se going on stage like yourself around the world because there's a lot of introverted people it could be For me, because I work with energy, and for me, it's about how we spend our energy and refill ourselves up again, basically. It's taking a close look at your day and say, well, where does my energy go? Not just physically, um, going out to work or whatever, but mentally mm. as well. And mm. it's amazing how much we do on automatic pilot. 100%, yeah. And I mean, my wish for everyone is for them to become a bucket lister and, and first and foremost. On the surface, I guess, people think that it's all about travel, which yeah. it's not. Um, I've written the book, the My Bucket List Blueprint, and it's a 12-letter acronym that helps a person go north, south, east, west in their own brain, helps them extract and articulate a personally meaningful and holistic list. And T on the end is travel. But it's not just about the ticks either. It's really about how we reverse engineer every aspect of our lives in order to make this stuff come to fruition. It's the, really about the growth of the, like you said, the growth of the person on that journey towards these self-imposed destinations. But most important, Philippa, it's about the person that exists on the other side, and that's the person that we don't know yet. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want people to get curiously excited about is the fact that you are not you. You are you are just a bunch of stories that you've led yourself to believe. Mm-hmm. You've got no freaking idea what you are truly capable of in this life. And I think having that insatiable curiosity is the human experience and it puts life in people. And then when they start living their bucket list, they become the light for other people to be around. I love hanging out with bucket listers. It's glass half full, not yep. half empty. I like doing business with these sorts of people. I'd like these people to be my parent. I'd like these people to be my kids, business partners. These people are more attractive to be around, aren't they? Yes. Because they've got a a sense of fun, adventure, and always a story to tell. And there's enough of the other sort in this world. I want to help more people be bucket listers because we freaking need them. A lot of people aspire, it's just the way the education system and that's a soapbox of mine. Don't even. 
it particularly for young men because they want to get out and do and experiment and things and the curiosity inside us is killed basically personally I think throughout school but it's also you know we aspire to be someone and that role defines who we are so yeah. I always challenge people to introduce themselves in a way that is not down to the role that they play in life or the work that they do. Yeah. I add to that, I play this game. We've got a script around it. As we discussed offline before, I coach a lot of coaches who kind of want to do their version of the bucket list guy, but you now they might be a coach or a speaker. Or, but I said, never to call yourself a coach, a speaker, an author, right? Because they are just modalities of yeah. you getting your expertness out there in the world. My expertness, I could have been the fears guy, I could have been the beliefs guy, I could have been the gratitude guy, but I chose bucket list because it's more congruent to who I am. It gives me license to run around the world being an idiot. Right? Well, mine's enthusiastic. There you go. And that helps us from create our narrative of going inch wide, mile deep. Right. But I have them introduce them as like I introduced myself. If you ask me, so, hey, what do you do? And I say, they call me the bucket list guy and I just leave it. And they're like, WTF? Question mark. They can't put me in a box. No, no. But if I come in and say, like a coach, like a speaker, they're like, oh, right. Then they're like, what do you do? Do you help people do their bucket list? Yep. How? Number of different ways. I'm totally with you on not putting ourselves in a box and you'd be able to do that, no worries. People can't compute. But I think if you're going to disrupt, it starts with the introduction right through to what you're offering. I think if you're challenging a narrative or you're creating a narrative, then it's really important that you really delve into every aspect of it. But people put themselves last, you know, there's, again, it's, it's that survival mode, isn't it? and having to pay the bills and things. And the last thing on their shopping list or money that they're going to spend is actually on themselves, even once you've got to them to have that mindset. I love your concept because it's a kind of do or die type thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also funny, Philippa, when someone is like, you know, I'm too busy, I'm too that, you know, family, it's kids, it's excuses, 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 right? And then it's going to sound harsh, but until they get a diagnosis and then suddenly in a heartbeat, it yeah. flips. Yeah. And suddenly you can reprioritize, find the time, find the resources even because the why is now strong, stronger than ever. And I said that when the why is strong enough, the how will work itself out. Mm. People don't trust that. When I go and do discussions, keynote seminars and this sort of thing, I take them to the brink. And I disrupt them. I scare the shit out of them about how little time they've got left. And you know how I do that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm only there for an hour or whatever if I'm talking. I've got a, a keynote presentation this weekend to 550 people. I'm going to be delivering some bad news. And I'm going to be giving them a, a real uh, disruptor. And, you know, I've only got an hour or so with them, so I've, I've got to wake them up. So they go, oh, right, okay, all right. And so... To help people really see another perspective, you've got to dare to be disliked and you've got to possibly disrupt because I don't want to have this conversation with you if you do get a diagnosis and it's like, oh, I should have really done what Trab said five years ago. Yeah. It's not about convincing people. I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that 
that become robotic in our ways. And before mm. days turn into weeks, into months, into years, and suddenly you realise that so much time has passed and you question what's happened. I mean, people do it at the end of the year. I remember emigrating over to New Zealand from England and people said, oh, you're so brave. I wish I could do it. And I said, well, you could. It just depends how important it is to you. Yeah, yeah, how inspired you are, how motivated you are. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Look, I'm doing five things on my bucket list right now. You don't do one thing and that's it. That's my only goal. Like I started this during the pandemic. I'm reading 52 books in a year. They're all the old school books and I read at 4.30 in the morning with my pen and uh, read out loud and I've been doing that for ages. One of the things that I'm building the legacy, which is bucket list coach, um, learning to be a DJ, um, writing another book. And yeah, I'll get some travel in there. But that's not the only thing. So if you've got some of these smaller ones that are easy to achieve, that don't cost a lot of time and money, it does require some intention, yeah. some design, not default, because people, a lot of people are living by default rather than intentional design. Exactly, yeah. A lot of people are just existing and not living. So I'm choosing to be intentional about where I spend my band and I want to spend it on my bucket list. And I encourage others to do the same. So you'll have a few small ones on there, and when you knock out the small ones, that'll give you the momentum and motivation to smash through the bigger ones, and it really does take over after a while. Once you pop, you can't stop. Exactly. I mean, I, a lot of people have a to-do list, and so whilst in my diary I might have certain appointments and things that I'm going to do, on the other side I write what I've achieved, and actually it helps you realise how much you have, and it could be that phone call, that inquiry, or time spent researching like I'm moving to a new area and I think it would be helpful for my podcast, but also speaking on stages to join Toastmasters. So I found out where the Toastmasters is and the dancing and the awesome. swimming and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, yes, it's because I'm moving, but I'm always doing stuff like that. And it could be just crocheting or whatever it happens to be. I've always had a list of about 100 things that I'm wanting to do. Some are massive and some are really small. <laughs> I mean, that's ultimately what it's all about, right? You know, don't ever stop adding. What's the best thing that you have achieved so far for yourself? Oh, it's all the above, to be honest. And I've got an amazing family who are all diehard bucket listers. And you know what's really fulfilling, actually, is that my ideas that I made up are actually influencing a lot of people. Not from an ego point of view, it's just like I'm quite creative and I love the fact that it's now beyond me and it's now becoming a movement. And, you know, we're, we've got people running around the world with these ticket before you kick it signs and being photographed in all sorts of places. And like to know that you've created something and it's helping people is pretty cool. And it just goes to show that it doesn't have to be a material thing or take forever to do something. And it starts mm. with a small act. Yeah. Has yep. there been a book and or a person that has really influenced you? I mean, obviously, you've got all those books behind you and you spoke about the happier life, but is there anybody in particular? I learn in the gaps. So, you know, I've been doing that for years. I've got three coaches myself right now. I don't need motivation. That's right. not the issue. But they coach me objectively and they coach me in my blind spots. Yeah, impartially. And I have, yeah, yeah, objectively because I'm so subjective and also, you know, in my own head all the time. And I do this for my clients as well. They can't see the forest from the trees. Yeah. 
I'm a lifetime learner. You know, I'm just constantly learning and the books have been great. And, you know, new coaches uh, are great doing new programs. Always there's a part of my budget that's allocated towards professional development. My first car became a library of tapes that I got and just never stopped. So there's no one person that has really stood out for you or you admire maybe? Brad Sugars. I admired Brad for years and is the founder of a company called Action Coach. But then they invited me to go and speak at their global conference in South Africa, which I did. And then it was Brad that actually said, have you thought about licensing out what you do? Because it's, it's like life coaching, but not saying life coaching. Initially, I went, no, no, this is my thing. No one's going to take this away from me. Yeah. But he said, you want to help more people, don't you? I said, yep. He said, well, you know, when you're ready, talk to me. He lives in Nevada. So I flew over. And within 20 minutes, we became business partners. And now we've got bucket list coaches around the world in all these countries. That's a legacy play, but it's pretty cool to be able to call him a business partner. Cool. I know you have a number of manifestos and things for the bucket list challenge, but is there one particular quote that keeps you going, inspires you? I've got it right here. If it is to be, it is up to me. Full responsibility. And that's a biggie, actually, because people are all too ready to point the finger at someone else and not see what they can do themselves. Nothing more freer than taking full responsibility for your lot in life. So if you get in a funk, because I know you're highly motivated, but we're all human, what do you do to get yourself out of a funk? Control the controllables. And that includes my day-to-day routines of learning, even eating, exercising, time blocking the right way. Um, what to say yes to, what to say no to, down tools or, or a bookend my day. I've got a launch sequence that I'm really strict on as well, a diary system and stuff like that. And so when I can go back into that and control those controllables, I feel I'm in more control and therefore I can then pave the way out of whatever situation I'm in. It puts my energy back in the tank yeah. um, and confidence back in the tank. So if I was your fairy godmother and um, you could change one thing in the world, what would it be and why? I think I'd like to have more positive psychology out there. I think the tools in in especially positive psych and, you know, I think the stuff that we learn in personal development to a lesser extent, it needs to be out there rather than just giving people a drug, put a Band-Aid over stuff. It's not therapeutic at all. It's actually dumbing people down and dying even more and it's harder to survive. Yeah, and and I think you're the ultimate person to be doing that because you've been there, done it and got the T-shirt basically and you can speak from experience. It's the authenticity that's so important. I'm a big one for that, integrity and practising what you preach. So, you know, that's why I'm more than happy to be open about whatever I'm going through and what I do. And I'm known for my bluntness. I make no apologies about that. I haven't got much time. So why, why fluff about? Exactly. <laughs> and it's it's an eye-opener for people, actually. You know, you you can still be compassionate and kind. Well, it's just saying how it is to you without sugarcoating it, and we're also yeah. used to doing that, yeah. Yeah, is that called a velvet sledgehammer or something like that? I think. Oh, I've cool. heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Trev. Uh, no worries at all. Thank you. Take care. Right. Bye. No I'd highly recommend joining one of Trav's free bucket list challenges. His enthusiasm and encouragement, along with members of the challenge, will kickstart your mojo to fill your bucket with oodles of ideas to live a regret-free life now. 
Next week, I'm joined by Mike Buddle from Keep New Zealand Beautiful, a not-for-profit charity that started 55 years ago with a Clean Up Your Litter campaign. And don't forget to sign up to the Plastic Free July Challenge. There's a link in the show notes. And just so you don't suffer from FOMO, ensure you follow or subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform, be it Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts or my YouTube channel so you don't miss out on future episodes. And don't forget to get in touch if you have a subject or guest you'd like me to consider. My email is info at philipparos.com. So until next week, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential. 